wherever you might happen to be. We're glad that you have taken these few minutes, and those of you here on our campus, to join with us. And uh, this Sunday, we actually do have people here and in the back in that room and over here on the side, so that is a good thing. And we're just glad that all of you are here and for all of you that are tuning in with us today as we continue the Christmas season. Can you believe a couple weeks from today, Christmas is over? Unreal. How sometimes the year has seemed to go so slow, and then at other times it's like, where did the year go? It just is flying by. And we are in the middle of a series called Rediscovering Christmas. Rediscovering Christmas. Christmas, because if ever there was a time when we desperately needed Christmas, it's this year. It's this season. But at the same time, for a lot of people, it's pretty difficult to get into the Christmas spirit, the Christmas mood. Things just don't seem to be quite the way they should be. And we want to kind of tear that apart a little bit this morning and talk about that figure out why that is the case, and is there something we can do to move past that? Psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors tell us that there are somewhere between eight and ten emotions that we exhibit in our human experience. Eight to ten. Some, some say there are only eight. Many say there are ten. But nearly everybody in that spectrum agrees with that eight to ten Mark. And, and from those, there are other sub-emotions that, that we might have and that, that are part of our daily existence. But there are eight to ten that all of us, at one point or another, tend to exhibit, tend to have part of our lives. The interesting thing is that for most of them, they are polar opposites of each other. There is love and there is hate. There is fear and there is trust. There is, there is anger and there is anticipation. There is surprise and there is disgust. These are just some of the emotions that they say are part of everyone's existence at some point or another. And is it possible, and, and maybe this is just me, but just kind of go with me here, is it possible that Christmas exacerbates those emotions. You're like, uh, can you bring that down a scotch for me? Exacerbate. Uh, is, is it possible that, that our emotions are, uh, are at a peak during the Christmas season? Is it possible that Christmas is the season in which we can go from one to the polar opposite other in the same span of time, within the same season. We can, we can be anticipating a day of shopping and, and getting some Christmas gifts for people that we love, and we're joyful about that, but then the experience itself kind of lets us down and we find ourselves kind of uh, disgusted with the whole shopping experience. We can't find what we want. We've got to get out of the store for a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, everything that was supposed to be joyful and 
surprising and loving turned completely the opposite in just a few moments. You are fine when the day begins and you got the tree lights on, you're listening to the songs, even in your car, but then you realize that not everyone drives like you do and the traffic is crazy nuts. And all of a sudden your mood, your emotion can completely change. But let's be honest. This is how it is for most of the movies and the programs that we watch at Christmas. I mean, think of the ones that are your favorite. What, what's your favorite movie? I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to yell out what your favorite Christmas movie is. All right? Ready? I'm giving you a second. You thinking of it? You got it in your mind? All right? I'm going to count to three. All of you that are online, make sure you shout it out, or you can even type it in the chat. Okay? That'd be awesome. But here we go. Ready? What's your favorite Christmas movie? One, two, three. Okay, I, I think somebody just said Christmas, and they just left it at that. And then, you know, now did anybody say Die Hard? I hope not. It's not a Christmas movie. Come on. Just because Dean Martin sings at the end. Anyways, uh, I don't know what your favorite Christmas movie is, but all of them, nearly all of them, especially the classics that last the test of time, they exhibit all of these emotions. Think about Charlie Brown, right? A Charlie Brown Christmas. You've seen that, and, and, and now, you know, it's been on since the 1960s. Every year that program has been on in one form or another. Kids for so many generations have grown up with it. And, and here is Charlie Brown trying to get into the Christmas season, right? Uh, but, I mean, he's just got so much going against him. First of all, he's in the fourth grade, and he's completely bald. Okay, I mean, that's just, that's tough. And he's seemingly, he has the same shirt that he has to wear every day. And even those that are his friends are always contemplating whether they should be or not. Good grief, Charlie Brown. And, you know, I mean, let's be honest, his taste in Christmas trees, not all that strong, okay? And, uh, and so we see the emotion of experience. I mean, even his dog turns against him at times. But then by the end, the redemptive story of Christmas, everyone comes together. They all sing Wahoo. Oh, no, that's a different movie. Huh. But anyways, they're all happy, and, and, and we see the redemption of Charlie Brown, and it's all a wonderful experience. But the gamut of emotions that are experienced. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I mean, could there be anything more polar opposite than the Grinch and Mary Lou Who? Someone who hates Christmas to someone who loves Christmas and anticipates and in fact sees the good in other people, even one whose heart is numerous sizes too small. But maybe, maybe the movie that says it the best, maybe the one that shares and shows it the most, would be a Christmas carol. And this movie has spanned generations. And in fact, probably some of you have your favorite rendition of that movie. Uh, there are so many people that have played it, and it has kind of for many generations grown up with them. So whatever generation you happen to be a part of, whatever you were growing up on, that's probably the one that you prefer. For me and my family, strangely enough, we like the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, we prefer a Christmas Carol portrayed by puppets. Um, and uh, Michael Caine is Ebenezer Scrooge. We love that. Every year we watch it. We used to watch it as we decorated the tree when the girls were young, but now, they're, of course, they're much older. Decorations are already done by the time they get there, but I'll guarantee you at some point when Whitney's here, we will watch the Muppet Christmas Carol. And in the story, you have Ebenezer Scrooge, 
right? The main character. And again, here we are with all of these emotions that counselors and psychologists tell us we exhibit, and they are on full display in A Christmas Carol. You've got everyone looking forward with joy and anticipation to Christmas, except for the main character, who is disgusted by Christmas, gets angry at anyone who wants to try to make merry, his sad existence in Christmas past is portrayed. His fear of the ghost of Christmas future is shown. But then, of course, at the end, you see the redemptive quality of Christmas. And you see how a little guy by the name of Tiny Tim can bring joy and love to even the hardened heart of Scrooge, who they say would make merry at Christmas time like no one else in the town. The reason I mentioned that one last is because I just have a feeling that for a lot of you in this room and for a lot of you watching today, you find yourself in the middle of a Christmas carol this season. You are caught between bah humbug and God bless us, everyone. And if I have to give a, a, a title to the message today, that would be it. Caught between bah humbug and God bless us, everyone. You know, you know down deep, you know in your head that you're supposed to be God bless us, everyone. But the truth is, you're leaning in the bah humbug direction way too often. How can we get from the beginning of A Christmas Carol to the end? How do we find those emotions this Christmas season? Well, I, I want to show you, first of all, from Luke chapter 2, that what these counselors and psychologists have talked about it actually was part of the first Christmas story. And, and in fact, most of the emotions that we've just shared are demonstrated by the shepherds in the first few verses. I want you to notice the scripture that Eric read for us this morning and even the song that we sang this morning from the angels, glory in the highest. Notice that passage. It's Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8. And, and listen to what it says. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Let me share that with you again. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news, great joy, all people. Hang on to that today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, the Lord, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Isn't it interesting that in just this short amount of time, in this preface actually to the whole Christmas story, the shepherds exhibit just about every emotion that we talked about. It doesn't just happen in a Charlie Brown Christmas or How the Grinch Stole Christmas or A Christmas Carol. It happened in the first Christmas. Surprise? Check. The shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Surprise! I mean, that could have been what the angel said. Surprise! Because trust me, they were surprised. These guys were, were used to the darkness, and they were used to the quiet. They were used to being able to hear a twig crackle in the forest behind them and know that maybe there was a predator lurking around looking for one of their sheep. They were used to just being able to chit-chat amongst themselves and talk about the day and talk about how their favorite team was doing and what was going on in the world. They were used to the quiet calm of Bethlehem hillsides. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and and with the angel the glory of the lord shone round about them surprise check that one off the list fear i think so because the next verse says they were terrified check now they've experienced that emotion they were terrified what's the opposite of fear trust what's the angel's next word do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. I got something for you. Anticipation? Check. The angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Guys, you're going on a little adventure. You're leaving the hillside. You're going to head into town because you're going to want to see what I'm telling you about. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. He's not in a hospital. He's not even in a holiday inn. He's in a stable out back. Look at those, and you'll find the Savior, the Messiah. Joy? Check. What did the angel say? I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. Good news of great joy to all people. Good news of great joy to all people. I want you to say it with me. You ready? Good news, great joy, all people. Say it again. Good news, great joy, all people, everybody, even those online, share it one more time. Good news, great joy, all people. The angel says, I've got something good for you. And it's actually going to bring you and all people joy. Now, you could say, well, yeah, but I don't think the angel was talking about us. Oh, yes, he was. 
I don't think the angel understood we'd be living through a pandemic. Oh, yes, he did. I bring you good news of great joy for all people of all time. This isn't just relegated to you. What had happened? Had the, Russia, had the, the Roman government been overthrown? No. Was there no longer any division and conflict between the Jews and the Romans, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Greeks? Nope, still there. All of a sudden, the shepherds, they were no longer shepherds. They were attorneys and accountants and businessmen. Nope, still shepherds. Still couldn't even get in to the temple to worship. But the angel came and said to them, I've got good news of great joy that'll be to all people. Can I ask you a question? How much of your day is spent? How much of your day is spent contemplating, thinking, rejoicing in good news? How much over the past year have you allowed the good news to sink deep into your soul? How often have you wanted to be reminded of the good news of great joy? My guess is that for most of us this year, for most of us that are now raised in a culture of 24-7 news, most of the news that we have allowed ourselves to concentrate on has been anything but good. And that bad news is what we have allowed our lives to lean towards rather than to realize that to a group of shepherds. Do you realize that they were at the lowest possible place on the pole of socioeconomic conditions? None of those guys had been selected most likely to succeed in high school. Okay? None of their wives, and you got to think that they were married, but probably I'm thinking dinner was a little tense when she brought home her latest boyfriend and said, he wants to be a shepherd. No dad's eyes lit up and said, oh good. Is it any wonder that the first ones to get the news of Jesus would be people that you and I would not really select. And God said, tell them. And the angel went to share good news of great joy for all people. Can we concentrate on that today for just a few moments? Did you know that according to a new Gallup poll, American mental health is at a 20-year low. Let me share that with you again. A Gallup poll says that American health in the year 2020 is at a 20-year low. Now, forgive me, but let me share you even worse news. The poll is 20 years old. So it's not only at a 20-year low, it's basically at an all-time low. The poll's only been around for 20 years, and this is the worst that it has been. Americans' 
mental health. It dropped 9%. Those who believed that they had good or excellent mental health dropped 9% to the lowest level that it has been since they started taking the poll. And only the only year that comes close was the year after they started this poll, which would be 2002, right after 9-11. Americans' mental health is at an all-time low. Why? Is it possible because we are leaning into and living our lives based on the negative news that we have allowed to saturate our emotions instead of remembering and being reminded of the fact that an angel came 2,000 years ago to a group of shepherds and said, I've got good news of great joy and it's for all people. And the reason the angel had to say it's for all people is because the shepherds would say, well, you don't mean us. Nope, I do. Good news, great joy, all people. How could there be good news? How could a baby, because that's the news that the angel came to deliver, how could a baby provide, especially one born in this shepherd's town of Bethlehem, in a time shrouded by division and distrust, how could a baby provide good news of great joy for all people? I'm so glad you asked. There's a prophet that we have been looking at each and every week of this series. His name was Isaiah. He shares with us the most distinct, the most specific prophecies regarding a coming Messiah. And I love to see the correlation, the thread that is woven through that prophet on into the Gospels that we read about in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. Isaiah wanted to make sure that we understood, look, this is coming as a baby, okay? The good news is coming as a baby has one born into human existence with human emotion. But he'll be totally different than anyone who's been born up to that point or ever since. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me tell you, Isaiah says, what is coming with the delivery of this baby boy. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a everlasting father, a Prince of Peace. Good news. Great joy. That's what was born in Bethlehem that night. That's why that angel could come and say with such confidence and assurance, unto you is born in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I am bringing you good news of great joy, and it's for you. 
And today, maybe we as the church, maybe we as believers in Jesus Christ, maybe those of us who are struggling, caught somewhere between bah humbug and God bless us everyone, maybe those of us that are trying to revive our spirits into this Christmas season, we need to be reminded of what the angel said to those shepherds. I'm bringing you good news, good news of great joy, which will be for all people. How could it be? Because what is born to you today is a savior. A savior from all the things that you so desperately need to be saved from. Saved from your sin, saved from yourself. And he will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. Wonderful Counselor, can I tell you something? That is good news in the decisions of life. Wonderful counselor. That's good news when it comes to the decisions of life. First of all, you got to love the adjective in there. Wonderful counselor. He's not just a counselor. He is a wonderful counselor. I have shared with you from this platform and other platforms, I have made no bones about the fact I am not a wonderful counselor. I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm a wonderful listener. All right? I'm a wonderful listener. I'm a wonderful person who will endeavor to share with you what I believe the Lord's laid on my heart, what the Spirit's the. I'm wonderful at, at being able to listen. I, I'm wonderful to give you a, a time or two. I'll meet with But if you want some in-depth, you know, Pastor, I really feel like I need to see you for seven or eight weeks. I am not your guy. All right? I'm just, it's just not where my giftedness necessary. We've got pastors on staff. We've got Pastor Dan, who is, he's a certified counselor. He's not just a counselor. He's a certified counselor. We have a counselor that's here every Tuesday. Well, he will be after first year. He's, he's been a little sporadic uh, because that's the way business has been in this year. But we've, we've got a gentleman who, who is an overwhelming counselor and has the degrees to match it. And there is great, great help and great depth that comes from biblical counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists. And I know that they have a, a, a wonderful ministry that they share and we refer people to them because in our culture it's something that is needed. So I'm glad that it's available. But can I remind you of something? There is one that was sent 2,000 years ago and he is a wonderful counselor. And he is with you all the time. Everywhere you go, can I tell you something? That's good news. That's good news because sometimes somebody needs counseling at 2 in the morning. And you're going to have a hard time finding somebody available. But your wonderful counselor, he's there with you. And he's not just a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. What is your heart filled with wonder about? What causes you to wonder? What brings you wonder? 
He's a wonderful counselor. And you want to know the awesome news? John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus getting ready to leave the earthly scene, now a grown-up adult, now with a group of followers who have been with him for three years. He has ministered. He has made a difference. But he knows that his time to go back to his heavenly Father is coming. And so he says to his disciples in preparing them, he says, guys, listen, I'm getting ready to leave. But it's actually good news. What? How can it be good news? I mean, the parade that we were just a part of. Did you see that crowd? This is awesome. Where are we going to get the free food from if you're not around? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's good. Jesus said in John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Forever. And that's why Jesus could say to his disciples, even as he ascended to heaven, and in so doing, actually he was saying to us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. How could he say that? Because he sent his spirit. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you accept his gift of salvation as your own, he sends his spirit to live with you, to go with you, to be with you, to be your wonderful counselor. It doesn't get any better than the counseling that he provides. But can I tell you something? Somewhere along the line, we forgot to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And instead, we have tuned into all kinds of other voices, some of them good voices, but they have overshadowed the voice of the wonderful counselor who is with you all the time. Can I tell you something? That's good news of great joy, and it's for all people. He is a wonderful counselor, which is good news for the decisions of life. He is a mighty God, which is good news for the demands that are on your life. He is a mighty God. That's good news for the demands of your life. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. There is no limit to his understanding. There is no limit to his understanding. You say, Billy, why are you saying that so many times? Because I am pretty positive that 100% of you, whether you're with us on our campus or watching online, 100% of you have heard the phrase at some point or another from someone probably that you even love. They have said, you just don't understand. You don't understand. And in fact, maybe, maybe you have in a prayer at some point said that to God and God has tried to reply back to you, yeah, but I do. He does understand. He does get it. He's been there. He's ahead of you. He's behind you. He's all around you. 
He's the everlasting God. And he never gets faint. He never gets weary. He never gets tired. He never sleeps. And there is no limit to his understanding. We can never say to God, you just don't understand. Because there's no limit to his understanding. He does understand. And no matter what No matter what this year has brought you, there have still been demands placed on your life. We were having a staff meeting uh, this past Wednesday, and we were talking, uh, commiserating ever so slightly, about the fact that we had all of these plans, and pretty much as the weeks have gone by, we've checked them off. And, And the busyness of our church calendar, the busyness of our schedule, has definitely been less than what it is in normal years. So the demands of a schedule maybe have been less, but yet the word that kept coming up in our staff meeting was overwhelmed. Because even though your schedule may be less than what you would prefer or what it's been previously, there have still been overwhelming demands on your life. And at times, you have probably felt overwhelmed overwhelmed with bad news overwhelmed with a lack of understanding overwhelmed but yet the mighty God was the good news that was born 2,000 years ago and it's good news for the impact that it makes on the demands of our life he gets it. He understands. He is the everlasting Father. That's good news when it comes to the destiny of our lives. He's the everlasting Father. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a forever God. And that's good news. That's great joy to all of us who wonder what happens when this life is over. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Trust in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? I will come and get you so that you will always Be with me where I am. And you know the way that I'm going. And of course, if you know that portion of John, you know that one of Jesus' disciples kind of looked around waiting for somebody else to respond. They didn't, so he spoke up for the rest of them when he said, "Uh, Lord, we don't know the way you're going. How are we going to get there if we don't know the way? And Jesus said, you don't need GPS. You don't need Google Maps. You don't need Waze. You just need me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. And that's good news. That's good news when it comes to the destiny of our lives. Because if we had to figure it out on our own, if there was somehow some goal that we had to reach, some, some goodness that we had to attain to, 
some amount of things that we had to somehow succeed in, (laughs) how many of us would still be lost? But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Trust in me. And when you read down further in that passage, when you continue to read John chapter 14, had somebody... At some point, Philip is like, okay, Lord, thanks for sharing all this, but, you know, look, if we could just see the Father, could, could you just show us a glimpse of the Father, then, then maybe we'd get it, maybe we'd understand it. And Jesus is like, Philip, don't you get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The goodness that you have to become in order to get access to the Father, you'll never achieve it. You'll never have it. And that's why you get there through me. And if you've seen me, if you've been with me, if you've accepted me, it's as if you've seen, been with, accepted the Father the ever Lasting Father. That's good news about the destiny of our lives. He is an everlasting Father. Yesterday it was uh, two years since my dad went home to be with the Lord. And I got ready to leave for the day and it was it was the afternoon before I left. I told Larry, I said, I'm going to the church. I got a few things, it's some running. I'm gonna go to Planet Fitness, then I'll be home. She says, you're not gonna cry the rest of the day, are you? I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. But I was reminded, I even had a couple of friends that called up, said, how you doing? I'm good, I'm all right. I miss my dad. And I told her, I think actually the worst day for me was, was Friday because I told her, I said, the hardest thing for me is that it's been two years, two years today since the last time I talked to my dad. And then I said, check that. It's been two years since he talked back. <laughs> I've had a few conversations. I don't think he's heard them. Two years. Man, that's hard, isn't it? Deb, you know that. Doug, you know that. Greg, you know that. Many of you know the difficulty of losing a loved one. And that's why, <laughs> that's why even in the midst of loss, and it is a bit amplified in the season of Christmas, isn't it? But that's why even in the midst of loss, we could still have great joy. Because the angel brought some good news. Guess what's born in Bethlehem? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And He is the everlasting Father. And He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And all of you who put your faith and trust in me, when I get it ready, I'll come back and get you and take you so that you can be with me forever. And those that we have lost and those that we have loved, they are not gone forever. They are with the Lord. And the Lord is with us. And as dad used to say so often at a funeral, one day we will be with the Lord together. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. 
And that's why the angel could say, good news, good news, great joy, all people. And then finally he says, he's the prince of peace. And that is good news when it comes to the disturbances of life. That is good news when it comes to the discouragement of life. That is good news when it comes even to some of the depression that I know some of you have had to deal with in life. He is the Prince of Peace. Doesn't mean that there isn't any more conflict. Doesn't mean that there isn't any more difficulty. Does not mean that there won't be days of discouragement. Jesus even said, look, in this world, you will have difficulty. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He is the Prince of Peace. So much so. So much so that years after his resurrection, years after he had made those final comments to his disciples as he ascended into heaven, years later, there would be a man going on his way to Damascus to persecute the church, this young church that had been started around this belief system in Jesus around all the things that he had said and done. And now these little groups were sprouting up and the government and the religious leaders were getting nervous and Paul worked for them. At that point in time, his name was Saul and his job was to go and squash these little church rebellions that were sprouting up. And he would, he would jail and imprison these people and these people would be persecuted and tortured and sometimes even killed for their beliefs. It was Paul's job to go and root that out. And on his way to Damascus, all of a sudden, guess what? A bright light shone. The glory of the Lord shone round about him. And he fell to his knees, and he couldn't even see it was so bright. But in that moment, he knew something was happening, and Jesus had an experience with Saul on his way to Damascus. Changed him, changed his name, changed his direction, changed his destiny. And instead of going and persecuting, now Paul would become the prince of preachers and pastors. And he would start churches up and down the European seaboard. And now, years later, this apostle in prison would write to a little church in Philippi and he would say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. How you doing with that? Have, have you conquered that one this year, 2020? Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes understanding, what's he saying? You're not going to get it. It doesn't make sense. The peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts. You want to know what that word's translated to? Your emotions. The peace of God will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds through Christ Jesus. The world will never know peace. You will never know peace until you know 
the prince of peace. Peace is not delivered in a signed document. Peace is not delivered on a piece of parchment or paper. Peace is delivered through a person. And that delivery came on the first Christmas. And that's why the angel could come and say to the shepherds, I got good news, great joy, all people. And into Bethlehem came the Prince of Peace. We have the potential. We have the potential. Listen to me now. We have the potential to experience a peace that passes understanding. The challenge to us is to believe that Christ came to make it happen in our lives. To develop those positive emotions that God has given to us and to work and it takes effort, but we have to work to stymie the negative ones. Why? Because our world is filled with negative news. And oftentimes, that's what we fill our minds and our hearts with. And that's why Paul says, you've got to guard your heart. Let the peace of God guard your emotions, guard your minds, guard your beliefs through Christ Jesus. Again, it's delivered through a person. It's delivered through a relationship. You remember that Gallup poll we mentioned earlier? There is one group of people that actually had an increase this year. One group, only one, that had an increase in their belief, in their mental health. You want to know what group that was? They said, let me quote it for you, the big winner, this is a quote, from the report on the Gallup poll. The big winner was weekly churchgoers, however. For this group, 46% reported excellent mental health this year compared to 42% last year. Only one group had an increase, and it was those who made church a priority. And I wonder, I wonder, unfortunately they don't mention it here, but let's be honest, it had nothing to do with four walls and a roof, did it? Because for most people, the church at some point this year has been church interrupted. But it's people who on a consistent basis were allowing themselves to be engaged with people of like faith and with the Word of God. And it wasn't the church that was providing what was necessary and needed to improve their emotional outlook on life. It was a person. It was Christ. But we have to be reminded of that, don't we? We have to be reminded that the angel came and said, good news, great joy. All people. Our family likes the Christmas movies. But we all have our favorites. The other night, uh, Kaylee and Eric were over making, uh, well, Kaylee was making cookies with her mom. And... Um, and while they were making cookies, I, I, I decided to put on a Christmas movie. Kaylee said, put on a Christmas movie. So I put in, 
How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. That's Kaylee's favorite Christmas movie. Now, the, the reason it's her favorite really doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. I don't know what it was. I mean, this girl was afraid of the Caesar man at Little Caesars. Remember when that, you could go there with your kids and they could play Arcane? She couldn't stand that guy, okay? She didn't like the Easter Bunny. She was scared to death of Paws at Comerica Park, but she loved the Grinch. And every night of her little elementary existence back in third grade or so, she fell asleep to that movie. We figured out that if we'd put that movie on, she'd be out in a few minutes. Well, somehow, that movie kind of got etched into her mind and her heart. Enough so that when she went to Taylor University, she was a star in the Christmas season when the whole dorm decided to gather and watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And they realized that Kaylee knew every line of the movie and oftentimes would quote the lines before they even came out in the voice of the Grinch. And I knew this. And I knew this would provide us some entertainment. Which, sure enough, it did, because while she's in the kitchen pouring the flour and mixing the thing and putting on the food coloring and everything like that, she's in there going, hate, 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 loathe entirely. I mean, she's quoting these lines from the Grinch. She knows it all still. My wife's favorite movie is Christmas with the Cranks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether she feels that we are the Cranks. I'm not sure. Maybe she's looking forward to the Christmas that we will spend in the Caribbean. I'm not sure. But she loves Christmas with the Cranks. One of my personal favorites is the Polar Express. Now, here's the problem. None of the rest of the family likes it. So the other night, while I was finishing up this message, I put that movie on. And I watched the Polar Express. And I don't know why I like it so much. I mean, it's a little different than your normal animated movies it's 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 like uh, you know in between the animation and the real person type thing uh, I, I love tom hanks but maybe it's the story i maybe relate to the kid a little bit you know kind of takes you back and chris is the little boy he's called hero boy in fact in the movie and he's he's having a problem with this whole santa claus thing he's he's not sure that he believes and this is the year, this is the year of decision where it's all kind of coming together and he's just not so sure. And on Christmas Eve, a train pulls up. And he can't really believe this is real, but he, he goes out and, dream or not, he jumps on. And he jumps on the Polar Express and Tom Hanks is the conductor. And he says, where's the train going? He says, well, the North Pole, of course. And throughout the movie in the next few minutes, you see this journey that takes him to the North Pole and shows him all of the elves and the toy-making experience, and then he gets to meet Santa himself. And every year, Santa gives out a first gift, and this year, the first gift goes to, you guessed it, Chris. It's, it's a bell that actually fell off one of the reindeer. But when you jingle the bell, it has a beautiful sound. But not everybody can hear the bell. But Chris can hear it now. Because now he believes. The only problem is on his way home, somehow, somewhere, he drops. He loses the bell. And he's so discouraged, but he gets home. It's still been a great experience. It's still been a great dream, whatever the case. He climbs back into bed. Next morning, he wakes up. 
They run downstairs, he and his sister, and open all the gifts. And he's still thinking to himself, that was the strangest dream. And then she reaches behind the tree and pulls out. She says, what's this? And it's just a little box wrapped. It has Chris's name on. She says, it's for you. And he opens it up, and there is the bell. And a little note that says, you dropped this in my sleigh. Merry Christmas, Mr. C. And he jingles the bell, and he hears the sound, and he's reminded. He gets to the end of the movie, and let me just quote it for you. Tom Hanks is the voice that comes over. And he says, at one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. But as the years passed, it fell silent on all of them. Even Sarah, my sister, found one Christmas where she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. As I've grown old, I still hear the bell. It still rings true for me as it does for all who believe. Can I tell you something? Maybe, maybe it's just this little kid's movie reference. Maybe it's Jesus reminding us as he reminded his disciples, you need to become like a child because you gotta believe. Maybe you need to hear the sounds of the bell ringing. Maybe you need to hear the sound of the angel's voice as he says, I've got good news of great joy for all people. Just believe. Bow your heads together with me in prayer. Maybe you are here with us today or maybe you're watching with us online and there's never been that moment when you have accepted Christ's incredible gift that he offers to us at Christmas, the gift of his son. And today you'd be honest enough to say, Billy, there's never been that moment for me, but I want to know. I want to know the Prince of Peace in my life. I want to know that I have a mighty God and an everlasting Father on my side. I want to know that today. You want to know something? You can, right where you're at. In fact, the Bible says you just need to believe and receive. And if today that's you and you want to know Christ lives in you and that someday you'll live with him, I want to encourage you to simply pray this prayer in your heart after me. You don't need to say it out loud. He'll hear you. But if you want to know today, then I want you to simply pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you love me, that you came and died and rose again for me. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and Save me. I make you the Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer today, we believe that you were born again. And if you're here with us at our campus, in the quietness of this moment, would you just slip up your hand and put it down? Say, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer and I invited Christ to come into my life. Just slip it up and put it down. If, if you're with us online, there's a little tab that appeared on your screen that says, today I accepted Christ as my Savior. Would you just click that button? We may not know your name today, but God does. And you can rest assured that before the day is over, we'll be praying for you. Believe and receive.
the Prince of Peace today. Father, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for what it brings, for what it shares, for what it says to us even today. That even in the midst of the difficult time in which we live, there can still be good news of great joy for all people. And Father, may we who have experienced that not hoard it, but may we be a conduit that allows you to run through us to other people who so desperately need it. May we find ourselves every day being the bearer of good news and great joy for all people is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.